We are learning Daf Pei Aleph. We're starting from the bottom of Pei Yom Beis, five lines up from the bottom. But the Gemara says, Ibailu. And we're coming off of the context here in the Mishnah. We were talking about a Shomeris Yavim. Shomeris Yavim, she's waiting Yibum. In that limbo scenario, it's unclear if she's considered already married on some level, bound in marriage to the Yavim, or no. It's not like that. Maybe down the line there will be a Yibum, but at this point it's not. So it's not really uh, considered to be married to the Yavim. And that plays out in different ways. Um, but one of, the, one, one of the ways specifically is that when the wife dies, it's unclear if she should get her ksuba because when Yibam is done, she doesn't collect the ksuba, but rather all the, all the estate goes over to the Yavam. And then only when the second marriage would be terminated would she collect her ksuba from it. So if she dies, her question is, do her, heirs, do her heirs take the ksuba away from the estate or not? Also, the question is, who inherited Nixon Maluk? These were complicated questions that the mission discussed. So the Gemara deals with an opening question uh, that touches on that suffix if she's really a wife of the Yavim or not. When a woman waiting for Yibam dies, me kovra, who is obligated to go bury her? And we learn normally a husband is obligated to go pay for his wife's burial when she dies. And the idea we learned back in Parak Alphabet and Marish's process that the idea is she, the husband is saving on the payments of the Ksuba and all of its inheritance here. Um, the inheritance of the values of the Ksuba when the wife dies. So in, in, in exchange for that, he has the obligation to bury. But here, who has that obligation? Do I say, Do I say, the Yavim has to bury her? He's inheriting the Ksuba. In this regard, he's going practically. He's going to take the full, the, so the full Ksuba um, and, and, and as, 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 just the, as just the brother of the, of the deceased. And since he's taking all the value of the ksuba, he should have to bury her, even though, even though he never actually was intimate with this woman ever. Maybe the father says have to bury her. They inherit the properties of the nechsim aluk. So normally in a regular case, when a wife dies, the husband inherits both her ksuba and her nechsim aluk. But here, since it's a suffolk, if she was married practically, it ends up that there are two people who are inheriting her. The nechsim aluk, we said, are becheskos, and then they go back to, the, to her father. Whereas the ksuba, we say, is kept by... By the the, the, Yavim, the Yavim's family. So it's almost like she has two different people, Yarshin So therefore, who has to bury her? Her heirs, those who are inheriting her ksuba, those are the ones who are obligated to bury her. So that it makes a specific point of saying that her heirs are the ones who are Yarshin her ksuba. So that it means that it's the Yavim who has to bury her because the father is not taking the ksuba. It is the Yavim who is keeping the ksuba, and even though the father is taking back the Nesim Malug, he does not bury. Amar we can see this from a Mishnah as well. So with Mishnah coming up later on in Tzadiyeh, a widow typically, after her husband dies, so she is supported from the property which now is owned by the orphans, meaning her, 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 her husband's estate, which was inherited by the orphans, that's going to pay her the sustenance. Her earnings go to, the, go to them. It's an exchange for them supporting her from the estate they inherited. So her earnings, the, the widow makes, they go to the Arshan. But they're not obligated in, bur- in her burial. Because again, they're not inheriting her when, um, when she dies. Therefore, they're not obligated in her burial. Those who inherit her, they will be obligated to bury her. So what do we mean to say? So it's her heirs, not his, who are obligated to bury because they, in return for inheriting her ksuba, that the husband is, is what makes the husband obligated to bury her. Now that he doesn't inherit her, so the cost has to come from her own estate. The only time when we say a husband pays for the, for the burial and he's obligated is where he is inheriting the ksuba. But when it's not like that, then it doesn't, is not like that. Now what we're noticing, and that's a clear, that's a clear din, but what we're noticing in the language here is that her heirs, those who inherit the ksuba, 
it seems like the Mishnah is alluding to a different case where it's possible for a woman to have two sets of Yarshim, those who inherit the Ksuba and those who inherit the other property, and it's saying those who inherit the Ksuba have to bury her. Now, it's not talking about a regular widow. A regular widow only has one heir who inherit the Ksuba and everything else she owns. What is this allusion to a different case of a widow who owns two, who has two sets of Yarshim? It's a reference to the Shomer Yavam, where both the Yavam and her family and their father's family are sharing the inheritance, and the Mishnah is emphasizing that there's a rule the Yavam, who inherits the Ksuba, always buries her. Okay, so now that we're coming out, we proved it, we're possibly in this way, that the, 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 after the Shemaris Yavam dies, it is the Yavam who has to bury her. So, Let the Yavam say, I'm inheriting my brother, whereas his wife, I don't have to bury. And the point of Rava's question is as follows. The law of burial is because you inherit the Ksuba. If the wife would be be'etzem, uh, that she has the right to the Ksuba now while she's in limbo, she marries Yavam, and therefore the Yavam got off the hook from paying her. So then you're right, it would make sense that he has to pay. He inherits the Ksuba. But the reality is that it's not like that. The reality is that if he would have, if he would have done Yibam, the Ksuba only would have been collected from the, from, from the Yavam, from the estate that he inherited, after the second marriage would be terminated. But at this point, when she says Shomeris Yavam, it's not like he, the, the Ksuba Ba'asim was, was owed yet at all. And if the Ksuba wasn't owed yet at all, so he should just say, I'm not inheriting her Ksuba. I'm just inheriting my estate of my brother. I'm just doing a simple inheritance for my brother. And I'm not inheriting anything from the Ksuba of this Shomeris Yavam. Why am I supposed to go ahead and bury her? What do you mean? We come at him from both sides. If you're inheriting your brother, you have to bury the wife. If you're really inheriting your brother, you're taking over your brother's estate, your brother would have had to bury her. If he was alive, so to you. If he may not cover such anything, if you don't have to bury your brother's wife, meaning you're not taking over, so then she should have been entitled to her Ksuba. Meaning, if you're not a, a, someone who takes over your brother, then what right away when your brother died and she was still alive, before she died, she should have been entitled to the Ksuba. What's the shot she wasn't taking the Ksuba? The shot is because you were alive and you're taking over your brother. Oh, if you're taking over your brother, so now. So now, so, so now we should say, just as your brother would have had to bury her, so too you would have had to. So Amalei Rava clarifies what his question was. I mean, this is what I mean. What I mean, that the idea is that you should say, what I'm taking now is I'm inheriting my, my, my brother and my wife, I don't have, this, his wife I don't have to bury, because is if you're telling me, I'm not allowed to claim that because of the ksuba he would have had to pay. The ksuba was not intended to be collected during the lifetime of the husband. So what does he mean to say with that? As long as the husband was alive, the ksuba is certainly not a collectible thing. Even when the husband died, since I was around, I, the oven, was there. She was a shomeris yavam. It says, if my husband is still alive. So there was never at all, like an, yet an obligation to pay the ksuba. The ksuba is never on the table to be paid that we should say, now I inherited it. The point that we're making is, is that normally it's true. When, the, when a husband dies, when a husband dies, the, 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 the ksuba is owed to the wife. But in this case, where there, was a, where there was a yavam, so it's still considered as if it's still during the lifetime of the husband because the yavam is there to take his place. And therefore, it's not the time of the collection at all for the ksuba. So she dies before it's the time for the collection of the ksuba. If she dies before it's the time for the collection of the ksuba, so then when she now dies, we shouldn't view that the yavam is inheriting the ksuba that, that was owed to her, but rather just that he's inheriting from his brother. So Abai says back, where did you get this from? That the ksuba is only meant to be collected after death, that it's not a collectible while, while the husband is alive, because the language of the ksuba is like that. That must be because the language in the ksuba implies that way, that before the wife has rights to marry somebody else, she has no rights to the ksuba. So the language, the wording, gives us this concept of lona ksuba but 
who, expo- who is the one who has the methodology of looking at the language of the Ksuba and understanding what it's about? Beisham, it's only Beisham. That's actually a dispute in Mesechus Yavamus, whether or not we make deep implications uh, from the language of the Ksuba. So that's only Beishamai. Beishamai, I mean, Beishamai, but we know something else that Beishamai said. Amir, what does Beishamai say? Shahumid Livos Kugavidami, that whenever a person has a debt and he has a document, that he has rights to it, it's regarded, it's considered as if it was already collected. As soon as you have a debt document that gives you a lien on the property, it's considered as if it's in the possession of the person who owns the document. So the woman has a ksuba document, so it's considered as if the ksuba is already in her property at the time the husband dies. So therefore, when she dies, it should be viewed that the, that the yavam is inheriting it from her. Meaning, you're right. If you say that, that a star is just a potential collection down the line, so then it's not hers yet. But if you hold like Bishamai's idea, the star of then even if it's not clean collecting now, but since she has the star for the Ksuba, it's considered as if she already has control and possession of, the, of it. And therefore, when she dies, it should, in fact, go uh, be viewed as, a, as if it's going from her over to the Yavim. So what's the point that we're making? We're saying the only person who would say this idea of listening to the language of the Ksuba and taking out the concept of would be Beishamai. Beishamai Lishita, so it's not a good point because he has another concept which offsets that. So either way, if you go to Beishamai, it's considered that it was the wife's. And if you go to Beishamai, it's considered that it was the wife's because he doesn't dash in the language of the Ksuba. If he doesn't dash in the language of the Ksuba, so then, so then we wouldn't say, we would say that it's considered something that's owed even Mechai. Where do we see the source that Bishamai owes Shavuot? What's the halacha? The husband died before the, wife had the, before, the, before the wife had the time to drink the bitter water. So it's a suffix whether or not she was a Sota. If she was a Sota, she doesn't have a right to the Ksuba. If she was not a Sota, she does. So here the husband died, so she can't drink. So what's the law? They collect the Ksuba and don't drink. Either they drink or they don't collect. So the Gemara says, what do you mean either they drink? It's not possible that Basil would allow the woman to drink after her husband died. Oh, so it's because the wife really drink. The language of the Torah is that the husband brings his wife to the coin. That's the basic prerequisite is that the, the husband has to be alive for her to drink. Valeka, that's missing once he's dead. So obviously there's no option for her to drink. So rather we amend the language of Basil. Ella, But Basil means that since they cannot drink the water because the husband is dead. They don't collect the ksuba. So that's clear that the wife is not going to collect the ksuba. Is not going to drink. So Basil says if she's not going to drink, she, can't, she cannot clear her name. If she can't clear her name, it's possible she was a sota. If she was a possible suffix sota, she doesn't collect the ksuba. But what was Bishamah saying? Bishamah disagreed. He says, no, they collect the ksuba without drinking. Vamai, Sveku, it's still a doubt. So why is she collecting money? Suffix, not a suffix, or not. It's a suffix if she committed adultery because she's someone who's in the Her uncertain claim of whether or not she's entitled to the ksuba is taking away from the husband's estate. How is that? Must be. That whatever debt is in the document that's awaiting for collection is viewed as it's already been collected. Since it's viewed as it's already been collected, therefore, um, it, when it's a, it's a matzav of suffix, the, the, the chazaka is that it's like in the, in the possession of the wife because she had the document. So interesting. Normally we say, but when someone is holding a loan document and they're holding it, it's viewed as if they're being in their possession already according to Beishamai. So basically what's coming out? We're saying according to Beishamai that we dash in the language of the ksuba, which implies that it's not a collectible mechaim, but it's still in the possession of the wife because she has a loan document. Elamai, you mean according to Beishamai? According to Beishamai, maybe we could say oh, that, that the ksuba was only to be collected while it's even alive, while, while, while the husband's alive. And therefore, it should vie to be considered that it's going from the wife to the oven. So the Gemara says, not true. 
Why? Because even in Basila would agree, that's not expounding the language of the Ksuba. The basic premise in the Ksuba is when you marry somebody else, you have the right to collect it. Meaning to say, as long as the Yavam is alive, the woman can't marry anybody else. There's zero reason to see that it's a collectible item right now. This doesn't take darshaning the language of the Ksuba, no, no, no. This is basic rudimentary idea. The Ksuba is not owed until the woman has the right to remarry. If she is a Shemaris Yavam, she's not allowed to remarry. In which case, it is obvious that the ksuba is not a collectible item. If it's not a collectible item, then when the Shomer Yavam dies, it should not be viewed as going from the Yavama to the husband. It shouldn't, from, from the Shomer Yavam to the Yavam. It's not like that at all. So we're basically coming back to the question that we don't understand um, why in the world the husband can't just say, I have no obligation to bury you. I'm not inheriting the ksuba from you. The ksuba was never a collectible item by you. I'm not inheriting anything. I'm just inheriting the dead brother. That's all I'm taking. It's my brother's thing. I shouldn't have any reason I have to bury you. So I'm dami. The oven is considered like another man. Meaning to say, the husband's death really was mocked to her to marry the oven. So the stipulation that once she's mother to marry somebody else, the ksuba is collectible really went into effect. She is mother to marry somebody else. It happens to be that somebody else is only the oven. But it went into effect. The ksuba went into effect. It went into effect that it became a collectible item as soon as as soon as the deceased brother died, and now even though the oven was alive, she was a Shomer Yavam, she wasn't free to marry anybody, but it was a collectible item. Since it was a collectible item, therefore when the Shomer Yavam dies, it's viewed as if the Yavam is inheriting her, and that's why he has the, he has the obligation to go bury her. Says the Gemara, is this really true? Is it true that Ksuva of Yavama is viewed as a collectible item during the Yavam's lifetime? And just a little introduction here. Remember, we touched on this yesterday, is that when the Yavama goes and she does Yibam, Chazal gave a really strong lean on the properties from the dead husband, that are inherited from the Yavam, that he's not able to sell them at all. Why is that? Because the Ksuba is only owed from the old estate, not from the new properties that, that the, Yavim owns, the Yavim owns. He only has to pay from the properties which he inherits from his brother. So he can't sell it all, and that can be very frustrating. So Rabbi Ava says, I asked some question, I'm going to say, Ava, let's say the Yavim did Yibam, and he really wants to sell the property of the brother. How could he proceed? How could he free it up? In Kohen, if he's a Kohen, so he can't divorce her and take her back. That's not possible. He wants to just pay her Ksuba, and then be free to move on and sell the rest of the properties that he inherited. But he can't do that as long as he's married. So if he's a Kohen, he can't divorce her and take her back. So what should he do? Make her make a big lavish meal and persuade her to just forego everything and just um, and then free, allow him to uh, to access the rest of the properties for the, to sell. I mean, so if it's a regular Israel, it's an easier option. My gosh, we get this divorce where they get, pay the Ksuva Yasser and then decide to remarry her. That's an easier option. So now, says Rava, the question, if it would be true, that the ksuba is intended to be collected while the yavam is alive. Why does he have to divorce her? Let him just designate a part of the property equal to the amount of the ksuba and sell the rest. Meaning to say, the designation of the property should release all their things. In other words, if we say, so then we could say, no, it's not a collectible item right now. It's only a potential collectible down the line. Therefore, you can't designate this specific thing. The lien has to be present on all of it. The lien has to be present on all of it. That's why you can't pledge a specific thing for it to be collected from. And that's why it's all tied up and he's looking for a solution. But if you say that as soon as the Yavim died, as soon as the, the dead brother died, now really it's only to be collected from the Yavim right now. So let the Yavim designate one thing and free up the rest of the property automatically. 
says Abayah you think that that's true, that, that you're trying to prove that the Ksuba wasn't intended to be collected while the oven's alive. So you're asking from the Bride, so you could ask from the Mishnah. The Mishnah said, the oven can't say to the Yavama, your Ksuba's lying on the table. In other words, you can't designate a specific part for her. We say all the brother's properties pledge to the Ksuba. So why? Don't we, so why didn't you prove from there that the Ksuba isn't payable while the oven is alive? Rav explains, I didn't come from there because also Mesa Tova Kamashmalan. I can understand it's not a law that he can't designate a part for her. It's just good advice that if he would designate a part and now the money that he designated become lost, he'll have to write a nuksuba, which would cost him end up costing him more money. So that's what it means he shouldn't do it. Not that he cannot do it. Really, the Ksuba's only the Ksuba's and he could designate a part for her while he's married. It just means it's not good advice to do it. If you don't say that, the Mishnah is just offering advice. Safely, at the end of the Mishnah said, a person can't say to a regular wife, that a regular man, not a Yavam, a regular marriage, he can't say to his wife, your Ksuba's lying for you on the table. To free up the lien on the rest of the property, he can't designate a specific part. Is that really true? All the property is pledged to his wife's Ksuba indefinitely. He if he wants to sell someone's property, he can't sell. Of course, a regular husband could sell. Maybe the lien is there and everything else, but of course, of course, he is able to, uh, to, 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 to sell the property. So what does it mean over there? You have to say the Mishra is saying good advice. It's not smart to designate specific properties for the wife. So maybe it's just good advice. Fine. So that's why we didn't ask for the Mishra. But says the from our Baba's bride, so it's a kasha. Again, we're trying to figure out whether or not in the sense that when the 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 the, the, the husband dies, leaving his wife to Yibam, is really the ksuba only to be paid right then or not? So we're trying to say Yavam is ka'acher. She's already the ksuba is only to be paid at that point, and that's why when she dies, it's viewed that the yavam is inheriting. But we get a kasher from a kasher from Rabbah's bride. The kasher was if the yavam had this tough lean that he can't get away, he can't shake. On this, he wants to sell the things he inherits from his brother, but he's unable to because it's all the lien to pay the wife's kuba. So he said he has to make a feast or divorce her. Why can't he just designate a piece? Must be it's not a collectible item yet. The reason why you can't designate the ksuba payment is because of it will cause ill will between the yavam and the yavam. Why? If he designates property for the ksuba, the wife will feel that he's planning to divorce her. Oh, it's already like, you know, it's designated, it's ready to go. This is for your ksuba when I divorce you. So in order to eliminate this ill will, that's why we say you shouldn't designate any specific parts for the Ksuba payments. But at them, we stand with what we said. As soon as the husband dies, uh, really it's time to collect the Ksuba. And, uh, and, and even though practically he's not paying it yet, but the etzim thing that it's a collectible item is there. And that's why when she dies, it's viewed that the Yavam is inheriting her. Since it's viewed that the Yavam is inheriting her, he has to bury her. Says the Mahu Gavadan of Yavama Pumdisa, there was a certain man, Yavama felt him, and his Natana Pumdisa, his younger brother wanted to, wanted to make sure no Yibam would, so would, would, would be done, so he wanted to give a get. The background to this is that we learned in Mesachas Yavamas in the fifth parak, rabbis legislated that if any one of the brothers gives a get, then none of the other brothers are able, it's like he divorces the Zika, he divorces the bind, and now they have, Chalitza has to be done, none of the brothers are able to do Yibam. Why would he want to do that? Because if his older brother, who has first dibs, would do Yibam, then his older brother would inherit the entire estate of, his, of, the, of the dead brother. That's the halach. Whoever does Yibam inherits the estate. The younger brother doesn't want that. He wants a portion in the estate. So he's trying to give a get so that it will force all the brothers to share the inheritance. So the older brother said, my daitach, why did you want to give a get? Because of the properties. You want to share in the deceased brother's property. No problem. I'll divide it with you. In other words, let me do Yibam. And, 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 and afterwards... 
No problem, I'm, I'll give you the land. Meaning he's making a Kenya now, he's going to give him the land. So what's the halacha? So how do we rule? Is that a valid thing? In other words, the, he basically what's going on is that the older brother is selling a part of the property that he's only to inherit with the Yibam. He's selling it out. So Amr Rav Yosef, Kivan the Rabbanu Lisbon, the Rabbanu we're going to see is that Shomeris Yavam, the Yalacha is, the Yavam is not allowed to sell the properties yet. Until he actually does Yavam, he's not allowed to. Avagav the Zavam, Lavaz Vunis Vini. Even if he didn't sell the sale, Avagav the Zavam, even though he sold it, it's not valid. Meaning, since the Rabbanu said don't sell it, it's not a valid sale. And they prohibited from doing it while she's a Shemaris Yavam, but even if it's done, the sale isn't valid. So therefore, by him saying, I'm making a Kenyan, that this should be go to you. Is invalid when a, when a Yavam makes a transaction on that property that's only now for the Shomeris Yavam that, that, that he would take if he would do Yibam, if he tries to make a transaction on it, it is not binding. Where do we see that he shouldn't sell it? The Tanya says, if someone dies and leaves a woman waiting for Yibam, he left property worth 100 mana, huge amount. Maybe the, the Ksuba is only worth 100th of that. It's only worth one mana. Still, what is the Allah? He's not allowed to sell it. All the brother's property is pledged to the Ksuba. No selling, not fair. So we say, we're assuming that since it's not meant to be sold, then even with the other, it cannot be sold, and therefore the Kenyan that was made with the younger brother is not binding. Amalei Abai, Abai says to Rav Yosef, the Rabbana said not to sell. We know even after the fact it's not a sell, but Tanan, it says in the Mishnah that we learned about an Arusa who inherited property, and the question is, could she sell it, or does that undermine her, her future husband's Rights to the fruit. So we said, dispute if she could sell them or not. But everybody agrees that if she does sell it, the transfer stands. So we see, even though it's offered to sell them a little property, at that point, if she does sell, the sale is valid. So maybe here too, the Shomeris Yavim, the Yavim shouldn't sell the property. But if he does sell, then it does go through. So they sent the question to Rav Papa. Rav Yosef sent a reply exactly like Rav Yosef said that it's not binding. What did he put rings on it? He adorned it by by by. By, by, by proving it, he didn't prove it. He just gave it psaks. So just giving another person giving a sack doesn't mean anything. We're looking for proof. So they sent the question. He sent like the psak of Abaye that that but the evidence does that. However, he added, Yosef would give us a reason. Shochli send it to me. Maybe if you give me a reason, then I'll admit. Nafak Rav Yosef. Now Rav Yosef wants to investigate and figure out if he could bring a source. So Doc, he investigated Ashkach. He found a bride, so that's important. The time it says in the bride, I know Shabachachiv. Someone was no Shabachiv. He was claiming payment from a debt from his brother, a mace, and then he died. and he left a woman waiting to Yibam. So now the surviving brother here, he is the uh, he is actually owes money to the dead brother. So lo yomar, now the surviving brother can't say, hey, I'm inheriting my brother anyway, so I took possession of my own loan. Basically, I owe my dead brother money. So now it turns out, since I'm inheriting my brother, I'm inheriting the loan that I owe now to myself. We say it's not like that. Because why? Really, all the property of the, of the dead brother is Meshuba, there's a lien that it should go for the Ksuba of the, the widow. So here, that we, we're concerned for that. So we take out the amount of the debt from the Yavim Yilakim Karki by the land, he only eats the produce. But the land, because of the lien, has to be owed to the Ksuba. So what do we see? For the price, we see that if the Yavim would sell property, the sale would be invalid. Why? What's the idea? Because the money here, the loan, wasn't in the possession of the dead brothers the state of the time he died. The money was in the possession of the Yavim, right? Because it was just a future debt. It says, if the money was by him. And what are we saying? Because of the lien, we take the money away from the Yavim, we turn it back to the estate. So surely, what do we say? The lien would nullify something which was already in the state and was sold, certainly would nullify it. So just as when there was a loan, a potential thing, we say it has to be taken out and put back into the estate. So to here, 
if the Yavim would try to sell it, it would be blocked and then would go back into the estate. So the Gemara says, no, it's not a proof. I'm Maybe they're doing him, which is good to him. The Rabbanon are just advising him to transfer money into land to make sure that the capital is secure. It's always a better way than keeping cash because cash is to be sent. It's basically, it's just advice. So Rabbi Yosef didn't like it. The Tana said, you should, we must, we take money away from the Yavim. That's against his will. That's the law. But you're saying we're just giving him good advice? That's ridiculous. They sent the question again to Rabbi Yumi together with the new Brisa. Amrului said to This Brisa is not taught in the in the base measure. It can't be used as a support. There's something that's wrong with the Brisa. My time, and what's off? What's off with the Brisa? What's wrong with the Brisa that we're discarding? Maybe you're going to say the issue is that a loan is metalchem. It's a movable property. Movable property. Movable property is not meshubat to aksuba. So there's something off with the Brisa. If metalchem is not meshubat to aksuba. Why would the loan be Meshubid? So the tarot says, that's not a reason to throw out the price. I mean, we could be going like Rameir. We learned yesterday, Rameir, Dumar, Meiri, Dhamar, Metalim, Shalom, Ksuba. Rameir holds that Metalim are pledged to the Ksuba. So that's not a reason to throw out the, the price just because of that. Elamishim, Dhamma, rather, we're going to say, because the Yavam are trying to say the Yavamma, I owe the, my brother money. I don't owe you money. I don't have to talk to you. So since I don't have to talk to you, so, 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 so he could tell her, I borrowed the money from the brother, not from her. The lien to the Ksuba doesn't apply to the loan. Meaning things that your brother, that, that my, your, my brother had are owed to the, are owed to the, to, to the Ksuba. But, but the loan is not like that. It was just between me and him, not you. It's not, it wasn't his money, and therefore I don't have to talk to you. But however, maybe we're going like Reb Nassan. The time Reb Nassan says, How do I know if Reuven owes Shimon money and Shimon owes Levi money? How do I know that it's considered like Reuven owes Levi directly money? How do I know we take away the mana from if Reuven owes Shimon money and Shimon owes Levi's money? How do I know I take away money from Reuven to pay Levi? It's direct debt to him. You give it to the person you're guilty to. So to here, the, Yavama, the, Yav, the, the dead person owed the Yavama money, the Ksuba. And, and, and the brother now, the surviving brother, owes the deceased brother money. So in effect, it's considered because of the dinner from Nasan, he owes the Yavama money directly. So therefore, he can't say, I don't know who you are. If you owe money to the brother, and the brother owes money to the wife, and the Ksuba, so therefore, we could say he directly owes money to her. So what's wrong with the Brisa? So the Gemara explains, I'll tell you what's wrong with the Brisa. I never found a Tana who was Machmer on two different matters in Ksuba. You want to be machmer and say metalchem are meshubat ksuba fine. You want to be machmer and say like ramnasim fine. Eli ikra meir ramnasim. Don't say both of them together. You don't say on a loan that was owed to the brother. It's as if it's owed to the to to, 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 to the wife because of the double chumrah of saying movables are meshubat to the ksuba, and we say something owed to somebody who's owed to somebody is directly owed to the second party. We don't say it together. Now I understand what we meant that the brisa is not right, but we don't know why the brisa is not right because it represents two chumras that we never find together. We don't say movables are meshubat to aksuba, and also in a form of a loan because of the shibud of the rabbanasim. We don't say both chumras together. If we don't say both chumras together, it doesn't make any sense that the loan has to be paid back and put into the estate for 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 her lien for aksuba. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So now, stam that price is wrong, and we go back to our original question. Abayin Rav Yosef for talking about, which is if the Yavam tries to sell from the estate, uh, the, uh, when, when, when the girls are Shomaris Yavam, so he, of course the Lachatrila shouldn't sell, but if he does, Bidi Yavit, is it a good sale? It is possible it is, it is possible it isn't, and we have not concluded one way or the other.